Just go to five people and say, may the grace of God rest upon your life and the word of the Lord rest upon your life. Amen. We also want to give a warm welcome to our pastors who are here as well and our overseers, Balinteng Mona, and uh, all leaders and all of you, Bazalana, from uh, Grace Bible Church and from other ministries. I'm very excited. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, I have so much in my heart that I want to share. And my, my, my biggest wish and prayer is that I will be focused and we will not be all over the place. But even more importantly, that we will focus on uh, that the things that we can pray for and pray about. I can tell you are already ready to pray. We are going to do that. A lot of praying this week. But I'd like to lay a foundation, as you know. It's always good for us to have some scriptural foundation and have truth from God's word so that we pray informed prayers. And our prayers are not just noise and just things we say, but they're not based on anything. Secondly, because I want us all to be in the same foundation and from the same platform, I have to go back to what we were saying before we closed out 2023 so that we're all on the same page. So be kind enough to listen like you've never heard me say any of this today, but I'm going to hook on it towards the end because I want to start building up. We talked mainly about reconnecting to the generational covenant, but I want to make it broader. This reconnecting of covenants not only has to do with your family lineage, which we'll talk about in a short while, but it also has to do with you as an individual, has to do with groupings of people, whether it's churches, it's communities, or it has to do with a nation, all right? God is a covenant God. He makes covenant, he keeps covenant, and he remembers covenant. And prayer in the main is simply us going to God on the basis of covenant. It's really not based on how we feel, nor is it based on who we are. It's based on who God, what God said and how much we can believe what he said and how much we know how to make a case before him. And so I'm hoping this week as we will be talking about different areas of this covenant and of prayer, you can be able to pick up certain truths and apply them. But let's go back first to the issue of your family. Every one of you, whatever family you come from, there's a grace that God has given and imparted to your family lineage. It's, it's God's gift to you. And this grace gets passed down the family lineage and it becomes what we've called a signature mark in your family bloodline. There are certain things in your family that stand out, distinctives, distinctive features that really become the trademark, if you would, or the 
the emblem or the signature of your family. And your family is graced by God and wired by God, anointed by God, gifted by God. And somehow in these areas, you are second to none. And you are so unique. And you are so graced. Not everybody, of course, in that family follows that trend. But the majority of people in that family have that on them. Funny enough that the same can be true in the negative. Where you can have a family that is marked by certain negative things that become their trademark. And you know in that family, this is what happens, this is what they do. Now with a positive side, Satan will often try to infiltrate the family bloodline and interrupt this grace on the family lineage. And he'll always capitalize by using the person who is a weak link through their misdemeanors, miscalculations, bad decisions, wrong things they do. And whatever has been continuing in the family for many generations gets interrupted. It gets stopped. Now note, even if it gets interrupted or stopped, it cannot be deleted. Because what God imparts, nobody can delete. You understand? And when God imparts to your family, he requires certain things from your family. Certain covenant things that must be upheld. They have to be abided by. They have to be stuck to. If you obey and abide by those covenant requirements, it keeps the gifting alive. And what's interesting with what God imparts, it gets better with time. It gets stronger with time. And it grows with time because God's kingdom by nature starts as a small seed. In the whole garden, when it is sown, according to Jesus in Mark 4, it is the small seed among all the plants in the garden. But when it grows, it becomes the biggest tree in the garden. And that's what happens because God's covenant and God's kingdom and what God does is very overpowering in nature. But it only overpowers in proportion to how much you create the right environment for it. If you don't create the right environment, then it doesn't grow. Are you there, Barcelona? No. The same is true with churches. Churches are graced with certain things. Communities are graced with certain things. Countries are graced with certain things. Now, we made that example of David's family. I won't go into that. How it was this family that God had said, this is going to be a family that will sit on the throne. Rulers will come from this family. And 14 generations, we read about the story there in the book of Chronicles, wherein you had different people who came. It was David, Solomon, Rehoboam, Abijah, Asaph, Jehoshaphat, Joram, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, Manasseh, Amnon. And of these 13 people, some of them obeyed God, did what was right, as long as they came to the covenant prescripts. And they stayed within the government requirements. What God had said became a reality. But then came the weaklings. 
The ones with the misdemeanors who went the wrong way. And finally, when this young boy by the name of Josiah was born, whose dad was Amnon and whose grandfather was Manasseh, and unfortunately both of them were the weak link, this boy became troubled in his heart to say, I, I see what's in my family life. Though he's eight years old, I don't know why this boy had this insight. And this is why I say to people, never ever underestimate the desires of children. Don't chase children away when they come to the altar call. Don't make jokes when they start praying. Don't, don't ignore them when they make statements. They may not be able to fully express themselves, but God is able to talk to children and deal with children. I mean, you find Jesus in the temple at the age of 12, sitting among the leaders of the time and asking questions as a 12-year-old. Now, I know some of you are struggling with no, it was Jesus. No, he was a human being like you. And he's sitting in the temple and he's drawn to the house of God. Just like children who are drawn to the house of God. That's why I tell people, I don't mind children running around doing all kinds of things during their sermon. I don't get disturbed. I want them here. I like it. I want them to have a positive idea about God. I like it when we dance around and I see them dancing around out of, out of tune and everything and they, and they think church is fun. I like it. I don't mind them running up. You know, some of them running up to me. There's, you know, there's, 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 there's a little baby of mine, little boy who likes, likes me so much. When we had the prayer at December, you know, just after the prayer, the brother is here. And I must just pick him up. I mean, a bishop, if they were to let him, he would come up on stage. I want that. Because let me tell you, Barcelona, whatever environment you expose children to, are you understanding me? It becomes part and parcel of their DNA. Are you understanding me? And if they see God in a positive light, right? And that in church you can have fun, you can still love God and still be holy. You can be educated, prosperous, and still love God. You can be married and stay married. Can Come on now, somebody. Hmm? We can be here of all age groups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do we have people? Oh, come on, don't give me that look. You know what I'm talking about. But I want children to grow up in that atmosphere where they have this. Why? Because there's something about it when you have been in the presence of God as a child or as a young person, it, it immunizes you. It leaves a mark on you that even if you, you, you go off course in your older days, there's something in you that brings you back. Oh, somebody shout hallelujah. So we see Josiah at eight years old reconnecting and it's amazing the way it says it there when you read the, in, the, in the Bible there, in the book of Second Chronicles, that he, f- he followed in the footsteps of his father, David. And we know David was not his father. David was not his father. His biological father was Amnon. But he connects to the spirit of fatherhood that dates, that goes back 13, 14 generations. So through this generational grace, though it was corrupted, though it had been taken off course, it was not eradicated. And it was reignited by someone who came back to covenant requirements. He made a vow, made certain promises, because if these things that God says over us as individuals, churches, 
communities or nations, if they are to be a reality, we have to keep certain vows, commitments. We have to keep to the covenant in the same way God required of Samson to take a Nazarite vow. Because God's promises don't just happen in your life. It's not going to happen. There are things that God will require of you and demand of you. And I'm going to show you that tonight. So therefore, at times, God will at times then raise a person, raise a generation, okay? God will raise a church. God will raise a community or raise people in a nation who will want to reconnect with the blessings of God or the promises of God or the grace of God. This means therefore these people that feel this disequilibrium in their spirit, these people who sense a discomfort in their spirit that things can't go on like this. People who feel, no, this is not how the way things should be. And you start looking at an alternative and you start turning your face towards God and you go on your knees to pray and you start desiring things that you don't understand and you, you wish to pursue things that you don't understand. Maybe you haven't even seen anybody doing them. But as you read God's word, you see the light in God's word. These people need to understand that the challenge that's before them is greater than they have ever imagined. They're going to have to deal with all the demonic forces that have brought down all other generations that have gone before them. So their sense of being, of being resolute, they have to be so resolute to say at whatever cost, we're going to make sure we reconnect with God's purpose. Why? Because they understand that the fate of the fulfillment of the promises of God in their family line, in their lives, in their nation, in their church, in their community, rests on their shoulders. Rests on their shoulders. So they are bound to be different. They are bound to live different. And they have to do more than others. They can't just do enough. You have to do far more than others. And they have to be thick-skinned. They can't be delicate. They can't just give up at the first sign of challenge. They can't backwater at the first sign of offense. Look at your neighbors not saying amen. You're already offended. These are the people in our teaching, and I'm almost done with the, the recap for those of you who are not here. These are the people that we see in the case of the people that Joshua led into the promised land. Their predecessors had received the promise to go into the land, but never made it because of their misdemeanors. But there will always be a remnant among people. <laughs> never ever go with this mentality, everybody is doing it. Even in Sodom and Gomorrah, there was a family that was not doing it. Are you here, Bazalam? Are you here, Bazalam? Even in the time of Joshua, when the whole nation in the year Arlona, choose what you want. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Do we have those people in the house tonight? As for me and my house. Yeah. As for me and the church I'm leading. 
We will pray. We will preach the word. We will pursue God. Do whatever, Luna. Yeah. Give them grass. Give them petrol. Give them snakes. Give them rats. Eh? Give them doom. But as for me and the church that I'm leading, we're going to preach the word. Can I hear the? Can I hear an amen? As for me and my house. Yeah. You may be the only one in your family who has that way of thinking. I met a young man outside. But I just met him when I came in and I greeted him. And I always want to ask the young people, who's here with you? Thankfully, but oftentimes I mean lots of young people, they're here by themselves. Yeah, 12 years old, 14 years old, 16 years old. And I'm almost sure they're making fun of them. Yes, yeah, they're the only ones who come here. And, and isn't it funny? Isn't it funny? You know, you know sometimes families are funny, eh? You can have this ch- child, when they were 14 years, they used to go to parties, drink and smoke and come at night and sleep over and come the following day and the parents say nothing. But the minute they start going to church, all of a sudden, come on now, I, I will talk, why? I'll, I'll tell you why. That's, you, you may not understand what's happening. You see what's happening? You see those demons that brought down your family lineage? Ah, you're not hearing what I'm saying. You see all those evil spirits that brought down your family lineage? They are rising up through everybody in your family to try and bring you down. Because if you can stay on that path, God's going to turn your family around. Hey, yeah. That's why all of a sudden, what, what? Whatever about Isn't it right? They're not even going. They're not even going. Yeah. But it's not them. It's because Satan works through people. He knows that you're deceiving young person. How many young people do we have here tonight? How many young people do we have tonight? Yeah? Alright. Oh, oh. Make us of it. How many of you in your family line you are the only one holding Mona tonight? Can you stand? Can you, I, I want to show you. Please, no camera on them. Look at this. Give these young people a big hand, Bazarana. Look at this. It's you that I'm talking about. It's you, it's you, it's you, it's you, it's you. Hallelujah. And it's not just the young people. Even those of us who are not young like you. Some of you in your family. In your family, yeah. I'm going to get together in your family. Now, December, you're the only one on Asatswarichi book. Come on now. And I don't know why I'm standing in this section like we at Chibuk. I'm suspicious there are some people I'm seeing here who are Chibuk rising. Yeah. Now listen, this is very important. And so when this Joshua generation crossed the Jordan, God says to Joshua, choose 12 men among the people. One from each tribe. Tell them these 12 men to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan. Now, this is what we're going to be talking about a lot this week. These 12 stones, as we said, they represent biblical truths. Please, Mamela. Biblical truths that God has quickened, made alive. Mamela, this is so important. When Peter writes... The epistle of Peter is written. He says, I'm writing unto you, and I'm paraphrasing, because I want you to stand in present truth. 
Now, now, my numbers are This is important. Yeah. I can see the theologians are saying amen to me, and I'm watching them from here. He's writing to them. He says, I'm, I'm writing to you, and I'm giving to you this truth, and I want you to stand in present truth. Now, my carefully. All of God's word is truth and is important for us. All right? However, there's a certain specific season where certain biblical truths are more relevant for that season. Are you understand what I'm saying? And it is those truths that are going to keep you alive in that season. I was explaining to Mruti Pizzo, you know, and, 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 and one of our pastors, and I was saying to them, you know the reason why I preach repetitively? You know why I do that? It's for a number of reasons. Let me explain to you, Pastor, for a number of reasons. Number one, when you hear certain truths, the people who say amen the most are most likely people who at that time, they are going through that season in their lives. So the truth that gets preached answers a question they're having at that time. Are you understand? So truth that comes in that season stays with you. You can't forget it. Because it becomes present day truth. Mara, it also becomes applicable truth. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, for the rest of us, it could be truth. It's true. Mara, that's not where you are. You don't need vitamin B. You need vitamin Z. Is there vitamin Z? It's not there. Okay. I don't know what I'm saying. B, vitamin E. Present day truth. So the reason I preach repetitively, one reason is that maybe when I've taught something in your cycle of life, you may not have been in that space. But sometimes when I say it again, you intercept it at a Kairos moment. Oh man, you're not hearing me in your life. But, but the second reason is that you as a person, you grow in your knowledge, understanding, and perception. There are certain things when they are said, they go over your head. But because you've grown a little bit, you have a deeper understanding of the same subject matter. I was around, this is not hard money. If a five-year-old comes to me and asks me, what is this? It's a monitor speaker. And they say, what's a monitor speaker? And I explain to them, well, this thing, there's a, it's a container in a speaker Kamohare, and they have made it so that when I can speak, I, I speak, I should hear myself so that I don't scream and I don't bend my voice. And so, and then the child said, oh, yeah, mm. they've understood me. But at their level, at their level. Now, remember, I gave the full truth. Mara, they are, they are, they are understanding of it. And the way they digest it is at the level of a five-year-old. But then they come back when they're 15 years old, and hopefully they have studied a little bit, Kades. And explain the same concept. It's a different thing. Same truth. But the way you encounter the truth is different. Thirdly, even me, the preacher, I've grown. 
in how I explain the subject better. So, these 12 stones are, are present day truths. Truths that are specific to ensuring that your covenant grace is resuscitated and brought back. And if you live by these truths, then God's covenant promise, God's grace, God's mental, call it whatever, gets renewed and resuscitated because this Joshua generation was able to go into the promised land because they picked up these 12 stones. So I'm going to talk about one of those stones today. But just to remind you quickly, we're going to go, we're not going to stay too long on it. The stones are as follows. The stone of humility and simplicity, stone number one. Number two, the stone of impartation. Look at your neighbor and say, Lo and ah, ah. Number three, the stone of intercessory prayer. That's what we're going to talk about today. I want to show you some things about intercession today. I'll start today and I'll continue tomorrow. The stone of reconciling the generations. The stone of restoring men to take responsibility. That's stone number five. Number six. What's number six? The stone of healing, miracles, signs and wonders and the operation of the gifts of the spirit. Number seven, the stone of holiness. Number eight, the stone of reconciliation. Number nine, the stone of strategic level spiritual warfare. We're going to talk about that this week. Number 10, the stone of believers walking in the fullness of who they are in Christ. Number 11, the stone of reaping the harvest of souls. And number 12, the stone of reaching cities for Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, now, I want to make certain statements about intercessory prayer tonight. And we're going to pray. In every renewal, revival, and wherever God brought into fulfillment what he had spoken over a nation, a people, an individual, a church, and it was intercepted. For what God has said to be resuscitated, there has always been an element where intercessory prayer must be engaged and involved. Prayer, Barcelona, is one of the greatest weapons that God has given us, and I've said it in the last few years, that unfortunately the church is not leveraging. You know, I've been studying some material and listening to a lot of material, uh, uh, on that I don't want to say fully, but it's, it's good to, to get to hear these things. I was actually shocked. I, I don't know who I was telling. I was actually shocked, Barcelona, recently when I found out that among the the Catholics, they actually have priests who have actually studied the phenomenon of spiritism and Satanism. They've studied it, and they, they, they actually have discussions on it. And, and, and some of the priests actually went into it to become part of that thing to see if it's really there. <laughs> I didn't know that. I, I found that out recently. Hey! Actually, I was comforted for at least there are people who are going to run through, you know. <laughs> but the one thing that is spoken about in the spirit world by spiritists, Satanists, warlocks, witchcrafts, 
which doctors, which everything, and all these people who deal in the, in the, the powers of the underworld. The one thing they do to neutralize an individual, a family, even a church, or a preacher, they start first by cutting off your prayer life. Yeah. All of them, all of them, and I've, I've been studying quite a lot of material. Some of it is a little hectic. I won't give you a little thing. Okay. All of it, and I've studied all kinds of belief systems on our continent, other parts of the world, because it's similar. The principles are the same. All of them. All of them. But you might not can't tell you one. The one thing you do, cut off their prayer life. Yeah. Cut off their prayer life. Either make them lazy to pray, make them play when they pray, or rather let them not understand what they're doing when they pray. And that is why when you find people who are praying and they have prayer meetings, oftentimes the prayer meetings are taken off course. Other things begin to infiltrate the prayer meeting. You find there's no sound teaching. People start bringing funny books, funny material. And instead of praying, they start doing other things. Because one of the weapons says the devil is not to stop you, but to dis distract you. Distraction is one of the, the most deceptive weapons. You, you are there, Mara. You are not doing what you are there for. Why did Jesus say, my house shall be a house of prayer? If it is a house of prayer, why is there so much prayerlessness in the church? Why are prayer meetings the least attended meetings in churches? When you call a prayer meeting, just a handful of people show up. Why? Because people don't understand that's the one of the places, if Satan can get you there, neutralize you as an individual, neutralize you as a pastor, neutralize you as a Christian, neutralize you as a church, and make you to be a prayerless people, then I tell you one thing, one of the biggest and strongest and most powerful weapons ever has been taken from you and you are an, you are an open target. So if we are going to maintain our generational distinctives, if we're going to retain the grace that's on us, if we're going to fulfill what God has called us to do as individuals, as families, as communities, as nations, as churches, one of the things we must never ever lose is the spirit of prayer. Amen. I must never lose it. That's why I was saying, you'll know this, you'll know this. You can wake up to go to a party, you can wake up for everything, you can wake up to go to Black Friday, but when you have to wake up to pray, when you have to wake up to pray, some other force ya to Even the alarm we would we would or you press the snooze button or that table was the president's name. Because when I let Satan also hang out rapid. Oh we ring a man never. Secondly, when you read the Bible, you'll note not a single person that God used mightily. Not even one of them wasn't a prayerful person. Not a single one. Read the Bible. Oh, everybody who was outstandingly used by God. I mean, in Kazaibile, in Genesis 6, Harry Enoch walked with God. Hey, man. 
Amen. Amen. Enoch walked with God. This is a guy who not only prayed, he practiced the presence of God. Enoch walked with God. He walked with God so close that he didn't even die. Thirdly, in every revival, read about revivals anywhere, anywhere where a church experienced visitations, anywhere where a nation experienced visitations, it's because the churches united in prayer. Or the churches began to pray. This is what I I want to invite you, please, this Sunday. Come in your numbers. Don't stay away. We are praying as the community of Soweto. Come and attend. Tell your neighbors. I've studied many revivals. Just to help you understand. I thought they'll come to this later on in the week. Maraki For a revival to come to a city, one of the things is churches have to unite together in prayer. That's why the book earlier on a church unite in prayer. It can't just come through with one church. Churches must learn to work together and join together in prayer. That's why Sunday, this coming Sunday, I would love to see every one of you there. Yeah. But in all revivals, Bazalon, all revivals, Prayer was the number one thing that people did. So tonight I want to say a few things about this tone of prayer and we're going to pray in a short while. I'm using the word intercession for prayer or intercessory prayer. Note, intercession has an element of bringing God into remembrance. Number one, you remind him of what he said over your life as a person. So when you get into this kind of prayer, what are the prophecies that have been said over you? You know, Paul says to Timothy, fight a good warfare by the prophecies that have been spoken over your life. Do you really know? Have you written it down? Are you aware what has been spoken over your life? Can you pray in line with it? Remind God of what has been said. Intercession, secondly, we remind God of what he spoke over a body of people. Churches receive prophecies. We've received several prophecies as a church. And thank God we wrote them down. And I can tell you, several of them, I've seen them come to pass. And there's still a lot more that are to come to pass. But in intercessory prayer, we go before God in line with those prophecies. And Mamalam Bazalon, he's not just in the praying it's in us adjusting our lifestyle to create a conducive environment for those prophecies to come to pass. Prophecies don't just happen. They happen because you've created a conducive environment. And that's what most people don't understand. That it has been spoken over your life. It's not a done deal. There's God's side to it, but there's man's side to it. God says, if, 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 if my people who are called by my name, if, if they rumble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from them, because then I, 
So there's the people, then there's me. Now I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, I heal their land. That's what God can do, but there's this part that we must do. Do you know what your if is? What are those obligations? Are you understanding what I'm saying to you tonight? Because we're going to pray for a while. We're going to pray in line with what you're learning. Number three. In intercessory prayer, we remind God of the prophecies that came by divine inspiration and they were spoken over a nation. Now, I want to show you something. I, I was thinking about this so much today, you know. At a point, I was just thinking about this several times when I was uh, thinking about what I'm going to say here today. And, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I've got this thing. This thing is malfunctioning, Bazalan. All right, can I have Nehemiah chapter one, please, on the screen? See this phone, you know? See, intercessor technology, the other one, yes. See, I'm trying to use. Can I have my other phone? Nehemiah, okay, thank you, thank you. Okay, I will read it for you. Okay, you keep scrolling now all the way. All right. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year while I was in the citadel of Susa. Keep on, screening, keep on scrolling. Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exiles and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burnt with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. Now note, Bazaran, for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed. Before the God of heaven. Keep on going, please. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant. Watch that. Do you see that, Bazalana? Eh? That there's an element of understanding covenant and going back to covenant. Who keep his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Keep going, please. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer. Your servant is praying before the day and before you day and night. For your servants, the people of Israel. So he's praying for, he's praying as God's servant, but for the people of Israel, it's intercession. But see, his prayer is based on covenant. It's based on what God has said. Are, are you with me, everybody, tonight? What is it that God spoke over your life? I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. So he's, de he's dealing with his part. He's creating an environment now. We have acted very wickedly towards you and we have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember. So he's coming to God. So he says, remember. Because God is a covenant-making God. He remembers covenant. Remember the instructions you gave your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. Watch this now. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then if you are exiled, you are an exiled people, at the Father's horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants. This is intercession. They are your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty... I tell you, this guy. Nehemiah is dangerous. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer. Why, why can they say that? 
covered and pray. Covered and pray. Let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and let the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was a cupbearer to the king. I think that's where it ends. Can we hear an amen there? Amen. So this is what God had spoken over a nation. You know what has been in my mind? South Africa? You know what has been in my heart, in my mind? I'm wondering the prophecies that have been spoken over our nation. I mean, and I may ask you, Baruti, maybe you should go search them out. I wonder when God spoke Kubo Babu Bengu, what did he say about South Africa? At least I know the, the, the prophetic word over Pastor Ray McCauley. And I can tell you, the fullness of that prophecy has not yet been attained. A good portion of it has come to pass, but there's still a part of it that has yet to come to full fruition. So when we come before God for our nation, just like Josiah, we can reach back to the promise. I wonder, you know, I was, I was, I was asking myself, I wonder among the Baptists, the, the leaders of the Baptist movement in South Africa, I wonder, Mfundisi, what is it that God said among them? I wonder among the Lutherans, you know, may, many people don't know that the Lutheran churches, the, the, the Methodists, their backgrounds and their founders were, were, were powerful anointed people. And that's why you see this anointing upon their lives. They have incredible stuff they've got there. I, I, I was asking myself, I wonder all these churches, what, what, was, what was in their hearts? I wonder what is it that God is saying to, to the prayer warriors over the nation. And because of the things that I'm studying, I'm, I'm wondering what happens with these workers of evil as they hoover over nations. I wonder what do they see on our country. I wonder what spells or incantations are they trying to bring over the country. And I wonder if you and I, we can't bounce it back in the name of Jesus. I wonder what plans have been made in the kingdom of the damned. Behind closed doors. When they meet in evil meetings. Strategizing. To pull the country in another direction. And I wonder why we can't strategize as God's children. And we can raise the banner of prayer. And we can stop the powers of darkness and bring them down in the name of Jesus. One guy who, who is now, he's been preaching for years, who used to be in that service of darkness, says, talks about it. We used to go over and fly over nations. And we would speak curses over nations. And we'd go stand at certain spots and cause accidents get into hospitals sometimes, cause people to die there. He said, but, and they would get into churches that are not praying, praying or the, the ones that are not living holy. Yeah. He said, those Christians, they are Christians, but they are weak. 
We could go in and out among them. Said Mara, there was a group of these Christians that they, they are, they are, their prayers would, would send shock waves into the kingdom of darkness. Said when we, we tried to infiltrate them, our power was neutralized. Says we were afraid of them. We were afraid of them. And this guy said, I was shocked because even the people who were high ranking in our circles, we had been called to a meeting just to attack this particular church, Kai Kai. They called us from around the world. We met at a specific place, all of us around the world, to attack that church. Small church, few, have 200 people who knew how to pray. Now you're not hearing what I'm saying, Basalan. Basalan, never underestimate the power of prayer. It's a stone. It's a present day truth. We have to come back to prayer. We have to pray more than ever before. Because the powers of the kingdom of darkness have been unleashed like never before. And not like in the past where people used to hide. It was covert operations. Now today, no. It's overt. But you're a lawyer And they're proud about it. Yeah. And if you're a weak Christian and you don't know who you are in Christ, you have sleepless nights. But I'm here to tell you the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God. And greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. And there's no other name in heaven or on earth given to man through which man can be saved. The name of Jesus has power in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Somebody shout hallelujah. The kingdom of God is powerful. The Bible doesn't call us warriors for Mahala. We are not called soldiers for Mahala. This is warfare, Barcelona. We are not here to play. This is warfare. We have to rise up soldiers of Christ. We have to put on the weapons of our warfare. We have to get ready to bring down principalities, powers, and rulers of the darkness of this world. Can I hear an amen? What is it that God said over our nation? That the enemy is trying to snuff out. What promise did God make? Note this, Barcelona. Through intercessory prayer then, we bring into fulfillment that which was prophetically spoken. We ignite that which has laid dormant for years. We remind this covenant-making God, this covenant-keeping God, who sat in Isaiah 43, verse 26, put me in remembrance. He says, let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. Through intercessory prayer, watch this. We create a meeting place. 
where we bring a meeting between God and mankind who has run away from God. We stand in the gap for those who are far from God and far removed from God and we stop them from being taken into hell. We stand an intercessors and pray over their lives. We pray for families that are going into destruction. It is through this intercessory prayer that we also create a collision of kingdoms. Where we bring the kingdom of light and pray in line with the principles of the kingdom of light and bring it into a collision course. No wonder Jesus said, pray this way. Let thy kingdom come. Oh yeah. Let thy kingdom come. Let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God says, I'm waiting for you to invite my kingdom (laughs) to affect the earth. It depends on your invitation. Let thy kingdom come. So through prayer, we create a collision between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And for that reason, the authority of the kingdom of God is enforced. Now go to Ephesians chapter 6, please. Let me have it on the screen. You know, when we read this, and let me have it in the King James Bible, if you don't mind, please. Or the New King James Bible, whatever. Now you know that the Bible, when it was written, it had no commas, it had no verses. Right? So the, the Bible interpreters put the verses and the commas here to try and help us understand. But sometimes it changes the meaning of the comma. I want to read you something that I had a minister teach on many years ago. And I never thought, I thought about it. But today it just came back to my heart. Are you ready to read with me? Yeah. All right. Verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his mind. Keep going. Put on the whole armor of God. Put on. Put on what? You don't sound like soldiers. Come on now, soldiers. Put on what? So that you may be able to stand. To stand what? Against the wiles of the devil. So the reason we are putting on the armor is to stand against the wiles of the devil. That's the reason. So in other words, we are putting on armor to fight. Are you with me? All right. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. In other words, people are not your problem. Mara against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of the world, spiritual wickedness in high places. Next verse. For that reason, therefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. One translation says, and having fought to a stand still. So, so we, are, we are arming ourselves, all right? All right. Keep going. Stand therefore, having your loins get about with truth, your breastplate of righteousness, keep going. Feet short with the preparation of gospel, peace, yes. 
Above all, above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith shall be able to quench all the fire darts of the wicked, yes. Take the helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, yes. Now, this is the verse where I want to go. Verse 18. Praying always. So, the purpose for putting on the armor is to be engaged in the battle of prayer. So in other words, we're putting on this armor because we're going to wage warfare, of course in life, but mostly in prayer. Because note how many times it talks about prayer. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, watching the unto, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Next verse. And for me, otherwise pray for me. That utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to speak the mystery of the gospel. So, the reason for the armor is to engage in prayer warfare. So, intercession creates a meeting place. We meet with God, but we also meet with the powers of darkness. And finally, through covenant praying, we set boundaries. Through covenant praying, we set boundaries. We just draw a line. Say this far and no more. <laughs> you, 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 you are not crossing here. We said, but you remember, you remember, you remember the complaint of Satan against Job? Does Job fear God for nothing? Does God fear God for? Isn't it that when God, you've blessed him and, and, and you've built a hedge? You've built a hedge around his family. But you go back, Job used to pray for his family, present offering for his family, and the Bible said this did Job continually. Yeah. Yeah. Continually. So it's, 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 it's a fence that we, we, we continually continue building. We don't stop. We continue praying. We keep it there. Do you realize God gave Satan the permission to tempt Job? He couldn't just do it on his own. Because God had built a palisade. Now note what Jesus said to Simon Peter. <laughs> he says to him in Luke 22 verse 31 and 32 in the New King James Bible. The Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you. To sift you as wheat. Mara, <laughs> I've prayed for you that your faith should not fail you. And when you have returned to me, in other words, Otapaiza, Mara Otakutla. Because Rapaiza Mara Rakutla. And how many of you know, Harakutla, we are stronger than Arna Rapaiza? Yeah. When you've returned to me, strengthen your brothers. In other words, you come back with experience. You come back with empathy. You come back with a spirit of helping others not to get to where you got. 
You fall down, but you don't stay down. You get discouraged, but you don't give up. You feel like resigning, but you don't resign. Can I hear a good amen? Oh, yeah. You are knocked down, but you don't stay down. You are knocked down, but you are not knocked out. You come back stronger. I see you coming back stronger. Oh, yeah. Listen to it in the West Bible. I love it. Simon, Simon. Behold, Satan, by asking, obtained you and your fellow disciples for himself. And from my power to his. In order that he may shake you in a sieve as grain is sifted by an inward agitation. Trying your faith to the verge of overthrow. But as for yourself. <laughs> I made petition concerning you that your faith should not be totally eclipsed. And as for you, when you have returned to your original position with respect to your faith, stabilize your brother. Hey, somebody shout hallelujah. In intercessory prayer, we draw lines. Draw a line for your family today. You've been bringing down my family members this far and no more. No more. You draw it through intercessory prayer. So tonight as we stand and pray, I'm going to ask you, think about your family. Anything you can remember. All right. What is the grace on your family? What is it that you see? It might not be on your life either, but what is it that you see? Begin to pray for that. Secondly, what are the entry points in your family? The weak points that the enemy has used and abused. Or the rest of you are <laughs> Maybe this is in your family lineage. So the second thing is, what are the areas of weakness in your family that you, like Nehemiah, can ask for forgiveness from God? All right. And thirdly, start drawing boundaries in those areas of weakness and pray for the move of God upon your life and your family. Can you pray tonight? Let us pray. Let us pray. Pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Pray in this place. Oh, we pray for our families, Father. 